Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan, and we have an awesome show here for you today. As you can tell, I don't have my normal intro that everybody loves so much. You wouldn't believe the amount of times I actually get complimented on that intro, which means one thing. We are on the road. That is correct. We are in Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I am doing this remotely uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks. Definitely wanted to get back on the horse as far as recording episodes again because as I have been taking this opportunity here at Western Kentucky University for the next month to knock out college, uh, that's right, a, a program at Western Kentucky offers credits in organizational leadership. I'm going to be able to walk out of this four-week course with 16 credit hours towards an organizational leadership degree through the University of Western Kentucky or WKU, excuse me, I got that out of order there, but I digress. Anyway, it's an outstanding opportunity, leapt at it, and and, and we're doing that. So taking the opportunity to educate ourselves here, myself, and um, you know, really strive towards finishing that degree uh, you know, I'm such a college football enthusiast. I should probably, you know, at least achieve one of these degrees that I've been working on since 2006. So your boy is officially a Western Kentucky University Hilltopper. But prior to that, I was a Columbus State University Cougar. Prior to that, I was a Georgia State Panther. Prior to that, obviously, a Florida International University Panther. So Western Kentucky joins the chat. But something that we went through one of the lessons the other day and was talking about perfectionism and some of the negative traits of perfectionism where you don't ever feel like anything is good enough. And one of the symptoms of perfectionism is the negative tendency to procrastinate, to put off until you feel like something is perfect. You have perfect conditions to be able to release something or show something or share something. And my God, that absolutely resonated with me because that has been one of the, the thorns in our side as far as the consistency of this podcast, not only our work schedule, we know that's crazy enough, but even in the downtime that I have had, I've had these ideas about what I've wanted to do with episodes and I don't action them sometimes because I'm just sitting here worrying about making it perfect. Well, those days are behind us. I think that now at, we're at a point in the show where I have put out the best content that I can put out to you guys. And we have achieved a standard and a level for this show that I think is, is rather good or at least good enough. I'm not going to fret over the perfectionist mindset of this show anymore. I want to put content out more consistently. You, the listeners of this podcast deserve it. So that is what we are going to do. So real quick catch up before Western Kentucky, we took a little trip. And when I say we, obviously, you know, I work at Texas A&M as an ROTC instructor. I got to give a shout out to Rudder's company and our Ranger Challenge team that went up and competed at West Point, New York in the Sandhurst International Military Skills Challenge. This competition, first off, is like the Super Bowl of ROTC and service academies uh, every single year. It's held you know, in the month of April in late spring. In, uh, well, yeah, late April, so spring up there at West Point. The campus, I had never been before. The campus there is gorgeous. Mechie Stadium there. If you get an opportunity to ever go up to West Point and just go sightseeing right there in the Hudson River Valley and that stadium and the history of that place is just awe-inspiring. Super beautiful campus. 
I would say that it looks like if you were to take Hogwarts and smack it, smash it into uh, a military base and then put it in sort of a, a college feel, combining all three of those things together right there with a football team, obviously, instead of a Quidditch team, um, that would be West Point as far as the the ambiance and the feel of that place. It's just really, really cool. And fun fact, West Point is actually the United States' oldest continuously manned garrison. I think I got that right. So it's actually a military post in addition to being a service academy. But I digress. Ranger Challenge team went up there and we competed against the field of 48 competitors, including international teams, the service academies themselves, as uh, Army was in attendance, obviously, and the Air Force Academy fielded a team, as well as all of the ROTC teams that qualified from each one of their different brigades. And we walked out of there with a ROTC national championship. We won the ROTC Cup. We came in fourth overall, but the three teams that finished ahead of us was Army, Army. They're pretty good. They filled two teams, black and gold. And then the third team was Air Force Academy. Those are service academies. They do not count in the ROTC field. So we're the number one ROTC program in the land by those metrics, won a national title. That's what that is. And I am so proud of that team. I am absolutely so proud of the organization. The kids, the Ranger Challenge kids fought their ass off coming out of there out of Rudder's company, Army ROTC at Texas A&M. We're the best in the land. And it's just such an awesome experience to be part of a national championship caliber winning team. So definitely have to give them a, a huge shout out. And uh, it was really the highlight of my year so far before taking this trip here to Western Kentucky. And your boy has a crazy schedule because I'm going to follow on from this trip here to we from, at Western Kentucky doing this program here to go on to summer camp at Fort Knox, where I will be grading and evaluating and teaching courses to those very same cadets all summer long that are looking to uh, you know qualify for commissioning. So I will not be back home in, in home station, in college station, until August. So I'm in the middle of a three-month odyssey here on the road. So these are going to be how the episodes are going to be released. They're going to be shorter format. So what to expect? They're going to be shorter format. We're not going to have any um, intro or outro role. Um, probably not going to have any guests on. We're going to be doing the solo work. And as far as structuring the episodes go, you know, we're, we're any given you, we do what we want to do, right? So we're going to continue to kind of dive into current events, news, maybe some historical stuff or things that I just generally find interesting and unpack them here on the show. The first thing that I want to talk about actually getting into college football on the show now that we have caught up and laid out the expectations moving forward here is the situation in the ACC with seven schools announcing that they are forming a little uh, coalition here, if you will, to explore breaking their current TV rights contract uh, that in the in the current state state in the ACC right now. And those teams would be uh, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. And what I find so interesting about this, obviously, this is monetarily motivated, without a doubt. Uh, the cost analysis breakdown suggests that the SEC and Big Ten schools make about $30 million more per, uh, you know, per uh, school during the season uh, than the ACC does right now. And the ACC wants a chunk of that 
money. And I don't find it a coincidence that the teams that would be best suited for a bigger money market are the ones that are throwing their hands up there in the ACC. Obviously, we don't have teams like Wake Forest or Duke or Georgia Tech really piling, or Boston College really piling onto this movement. It's the Clemsons and the Florida States, the Miamis, the bigger market teams that are potentially looking to break that contract to search for another home. And I would think that, you know, these teams would be pretty attractive to either the Big Ten or especially the SEC being regionally aligned. I could see a situation where the Southeastern Conference would probably display a high amount of interest in teams like a Clemson or a Florida State, adding them to the roster. The Big Ten may be taking a look at a team like Virginia, Virginia Tech, and possibly North Carolina for the basketball aspect of things, even though that's not that's not really regionally aligned with Big Ten country. Um, it, it seems as these conferences continue to expand, regionality is really kind of out the window, especially at this point in time with the Big Ten, you know, issuing in USC and UCLA. So I don't think region regionality is really going to be a thing anymore. And I've already, you know, outlined this in previous episodes when we were talking about, especially on the episode, the cost of winning, you know, we talked about this. We unpacked this possibility as we continue to edge closer to that super conference construct that I think is coming in college football. We talked about the reasons for that, the financial motivations for that, the big TV contract reasons for that. So very interesting to see how this plays out here with the ACC. Personally, I think you know where I'm going to go with my opinion on this. I don't like it. I don't like this. I would like to see the ACC be strong enough to stand on its own as a conference, but money talks and people walk, so that's just how it goes. We have news out of Athens. Once again, Kirby Smart and the dogs get it done again as Georgia has just got a full commitment from the nation's number one player in the 2024 class, and that would be number one ranked quarterback and overall player Dylan Riola out of the state of Arizona. This is a number, another number one overall recruit landed for the dogs as well. And now just to unpack this, this is a big win, I think, on the trail for Georgia because this kid was originally committed to the Ohio State University where they have a track record of getting commitments of top flight, top level um, you know, quarterbacks, right? That has become sort of a college football quarterback factory. Now, I know that the success hasn't really translated to the pros historically, but in college, they have produced some really good products up there in Columbus, Ohio. I think this is a huge win to be able to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State and flip this kid's commitment, you know, to, uh, to Georgia. He will be the fifth five-star quarterback that has landed at the University of Georgia in the school's history. Now, as we know, there have been some really good and talented quarterback prospects that have come into, you know, the University of Georgia over the years. We're talking about guys like Matt Stafford and Jacob Eason, Justin Fields. You know, obviously that was the reverse relationship when he took off for Ohio State and left, uh, you know, and then, you know, guys like Jake Fromm uh, as well. These were five-star quarterbacks that, um, and uh, oh gosh, who am I thinking of right now? Matt Stafford. Excuse me. See, this is this <laughs> this is one of the things right about the episodes. I don't have any editing equipment, so I get to sit here and you get all the ums and uhs and sound how stupid I am sometimes scratching my head trying to think about this stuff. But I digress. 
my point I want to make with this is even though this is super exciting uh, development for the Georgia Bulldogs, it's all of those five-star quarterbacks, none of them have a national title for Georgia. All right. And I just want to put it, put it out there one more time. Right. So once again, everybody's favorite quarterback that, you know, seems to be the butt of every joke and, and the media loves to hate on, or, you know, if, if it's tongue or cheek or serious Stetson Bennett, he is the quarterback that led Georgia to the recent success national championship wise, obviously with the back-to-back championships, two-star recruit. And I think that's why he gets just so much flack from the media because he just simply proved so many people wrong and, and yours truly. It took me a while to get on the Stetson Bennett train. Um, but yeah, I digress. You know, it's, it's certainly not a bad thing though. And uh, landing a five-star quarterback is always an exciting thing in an already, what I would consider to be a very talented and probably decently loaded quarterback room here at Georgia currently. Now, Carson Beck has really shown the, the chops through this spring season. I think he's going to come in and, and do well this fall. Uh, Gunnar Stock, Stockton is a guy who really uh, took some steps forward this spring and really improved his stock. So um, it'll be an interesting situation to see what happens as they bring in Dylan Riola and another highly rated four-star recruit in the same cycle uh, to an already loaded quarterback room. So I, I I foresee one or two guys transferring out of that quarterback room from Georgia, but you know whatever remains is going to be a very, very talented and efficient product more than likely. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, – Let's talk about Colorado, man, the team that everybody likes to talk about, right? Especially with Coach Prime with his media campaign just out there. I can't seem to turn on, you know, anything sports-wise or scroll through the gram without seeing something on Colorado, obviously. So Colorado is making some more waves. As the other day, I saw a post by a couple of different publications, one that stuck out to me. Uh, on Instagram, uh, shout out to college football dude or at college football dude um, that uh, suggested that there's a lot of people out there that seem to have a lot of faith in Colorado as they are currently the sixth most betted on team to win a national title, not in 2024, not in 2025, not even in 2026, but this year in 2023. Let's think about this for a second, please. Let's put, come on, folks. Let's put on our critical thinking caps for a minute, okay? Colorado is a social experiment right now, okay? And I mean that in the way of everything that they are doing is recorded. It is captured. It feels more like reality TV than it does an actual strong football program, right? Now, we all know that Deion Sanders is really good about getting eyes on his program wherever it is. Even at the high school level, I remember Coach Prime making waves and, and pulling some pulling some attention in his direction. He coached the Under Armour All-American game a couple of years, okay? And he did the same. He had the same model and same formula at Jackson State. The thing is, is at Jackson State, as we know, we've already unpacked a little bit about the swack and the level of talent and the level of depth and the level of size and development and coaching and fundraising and everything else that that difference that disparity from the swack and HBCU football to major power 5 level football and you inherit this mess at Colorado 
a one-win team from last year with a roster well below the 50% blue-chip ratio that we talk about for being a pretty reliable metric for winning a national title. You do not have that at Colorado. They don't have it like that. I'm sorry. But it is going to take more than some swag transfers and Instagram clout to actually get wins on the field. Let's let's go through this, right? So, yeah, he brings in Shador Sanders, his son. Okay, talk about some nepotism. Announcing he's going to be the starter before he even gets there, right? Travis Hunter, okay, again, a lot of people, uh, listen, everybody in the country wanted Travis Hunter. Everybody did. He was the top recruit in the nation. Programs are salivating over what he could do potentially for their programs. So I'm not denying the fact that there are a lot of people in football that seem to think he could be very successful and play at a major level of college football, but that is unproven as of right now. Okay. So we're not sure what we're, what we're going to potentially get or not get out of Travis Hunter. Okay. He could look a lot more average getting into the league of play that he's about to get into. Right. They bring in some transfers from some other power five schools. That's all true. But on the back end of spring football, there was a mass exodus from Colorado. I mean, a mass exodus from Colorado. They're still trying to pound the portal as of right now, but a lot of that good real estate's already been snatched up. So what are you going to replace that depth with? What are you going to replace the depth with? The Colorado Buffaloes don't even have the kind of scholarship depth that you would see that you would have seen in the dumpster fire that was Tennessee with the with the Jeremy Pruitt McDonald situation, McDonald's bag cash situation. Tennessee still retain more scholarship players than you currently have at Colorado right now. They will not have the depth to finish games, let alone win enough to win a, a conference championship, get into the college football playoff, and win the fucking thing? I don't think so. So... Check this out. On their schedule, they have TCU Okay, coming into this next year. Now, I do believe that TCU is about to take a massive hit, and they'll be much reduced from what they were last year, and I still don't think it'll matter. I think TCU will still beat Colorado this year. Let's go a step further. USC, we're going to talk about them here in a little bit uh, in some in uh, different regard to what they're doing through the transfer portal, but USC, a lot of people seem to you know, uh, agree that they're pretty talented. I would wonder what the line would be on that game between Colorado and USC today. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the betting odds of that would be, but I'm going to say that USC beats Colorado pretty handedly. The same for Oregon, the same for UCLA. Thank God they miss Utah this year, right? And then they have another tough non-con, in my opinion, I think it's tough, given the current state of this team, with Nebraska. So right there, I'm looking at, Four, I would consider four surefire losses and possibly five. How in the hell are you wasting your money betting on Colorado this year? This is absolutely insane. It's craziness. Fanboy craziness. I'm telling you, Vegas is loving Deion Sanders right now because that that Vegas will take that bet. Ten times out of ten, they will absolutely take that bet. I would be shocked if Colorado won five games this year. If he if if Colorado wins five games this year, pat on the back, big round of applause. You might want to you know consider even giving Coach Prime another extension or bumping him up some more because he's going to do some special things there. Because I don't even think this roster is capable of doing that. That's my point. 
Betting on Colorado to win a national championship is getting high on your own farts in a closet. And uh, I just I have to call that out. That stuck out to me. That was so interesting to see that. Uh, absolutely insane. But, you know, that's the cult of personality that Deion Sanders generates where he goes. And we'll see. We'll see if he can continue to cook there. But I think this year, I think it's a dangerous game that he might be playing a little bit because if there isn't immediate success there at Colorado, I feel like this is going to lose steam. So it's a very precarious situation for Deion Sanders. We're going to see what he does. We're going to see his coaching chops. 2023 transfers that will make or have an immediate impact on their squads coming into next year. I want to talk about this to kind of close out the episode a little bit. And as we wind down, Sam Hartman, I have him at the top of my list for Notre Dame. We talked about Notre Dame for the last several years being a quarterback away from doing some special things. There has been a lot of other things in the program that have been set up. They play good defensive football. They're good in the trenches. They have lacked for some playmakers on the outside from time to time, but a a really high-level, intelligent, talented, transformational-type quarterback was something that we were really looking for from Notre Dame. In terms of ability, in terms of talent, being a you know um, experienced student in the game, everything else, toughness, I think Notre Dame might have their best quarterback right now that they've had since sip of my water, excuse me. Uh, shoot, you might, you might be able to go all the way back to Brady Quinn, uh, Brady Quinn. Yeah, literally. You might be able to go all the way back to Brady Quinn. They've had some decent ones since then. You know, Jimmy Clausen did okay for him. Uh, Ian book was a, a good athlete, good leader, but left a bit to be desired at the quarterback situation. You know, Desha- Deshaun Kaiser didn't pan out to be quite the quarterback. We thought he would be for Notre Dame. <sighs> I think Notre Dame with Sam Hartman, and I hate to say it, I hate to go out on the limb here because last episode we talked about Notre Dame and what they historically achieve and and where they historically end up. I think that that will be the floor for them this year, you know, that good 8 to 12 ranking area. I think with this quarterback situation, especially if they were to be able to get off to a hot start, especially if they were to play – you know, a very competitive game against Ohio State or maybe beat Ohio State early in the season, we could see something out of this Notre Dame squad we haven't seen in a good long time. I'm talking about potentially since 1988. So they have the other pieces in place. It'll be really interesting to see what level Sam Hartman is able to elevate the rest of that team with his play at quarterback. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see coming into this year. It could be really interesting. Another player that I have on the list is Jeff Sims at Nebraska. I think athletically and skill set wise. Uh, and then hooking up with a coach like Matt Rule. I think he's going to get the best out of that player and leverage him at Nebraska. Also, uh, Nebraska picked up Eric Gilbert in the tight end room. So that's a huge target for Jeff Sims coming into that team there. And Nebraska has done a, a decent job in the portal, giving him a couple of toys to play with in that system. So I'm really interested to see what an athlete like Jeff Sims can do, you know, in that uh, Big Ten environment that's known for the stingy defenses, but no real, uh, you know, explosive transformational type playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Now I know that there's no more divisions in the big 10 quote unquote, but you know what I'm talking about? Those traditional big 10 West teams that seem to be built on all defense, all special teams and nothing to really get excited about offensively. I think Jeff Sims could be an interesting player to watch out for at Nebraska. I've got two quarterbacks here. They have something in common as one left 
NC State and the other became the quarterback at NC State. And that's Brendan Armstrong coming down from Virginia and joining the Wolf Pack as their quarterback. Another another program that has needed consistent high-level quarterback play. I think that Brendan Armstrong from the athletic standpoint brings a lot of things to the table that Devin Leary, uh, you know, unfortunately wasn't able to bring for NC State. And then Devin Leary off to Kentucky to replace Will Levis. Now, you've heard my opinion on Will Levis on previous episodes if you've listened to it, but in a nutshell, I told you exactly what was going to happen quarterback uh, or draft-wise. I told you that there wasn't going to be a lot of seasoned vets that were going to spend a high draft pick on him, and that's exactly what happened because of the same things that jump out on tape. I think uh, Devin Leary is a much-improved quarterback prospect in terms of mechanics, in terms of decision-making, arm talent, all of those things. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do with Kentucky. Another quarterback we want to highlight heading to an absolutely atrocious and anemic offense historically would be Cade McNamara, and he is joined by his tight end friend at Michigan, Michael All, who uh, joins him there at Iowa. So it should be interesting. Another highly talented tight end uh, room for uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll see how much they can leverage that coming into this next year. But he's absolutely an upgrade at that quarterback position that has been just very beleaguered uh, over the last couple of years for the Hawkeyes, for sure. We want to talk about some mercenary teams, right? We already talked about Colorado bringing in Shadur Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter, uh, wide receiver from USF Jimmy Horn, Derek McClendon, uh, FSU edge guy comes in from Florida State, Des Moines Kennedy, linebacker from Alabama, Miles Slusher at safety from Arkansas. These are all additions to the Colorado Buffaloes. Again, though, we touched on a lot of that depth being gone. So the topsoil might be decent, but the depth to finish games is going to be really hard to uh, to cover that gap for this year. So, And then USC. We said we were going to talk about them towards the end of this episode. The defensive overhaul that is happening at USC right now is something that needs to happen. And finally, I think Lincoln Riley might be getting out of his ways a little bit and not putting it as the afterthought that of teams that have cost him in the past. They have picked up Bear Alexander from the University of Georgia, the highly talented defensive tackle that was a huge shock, uh, really put some shockwaves through the college football landscape when he announced he was leaving Georgia and uh, committing to USC through the portal. But from what I've been hearing on the street, that was a mutual thing that was good for both parties. Anthony Lucas picking him up from Texas A&M University to also play a role on that defensive line, highly talented guy himself. And then Jack Sullivan from the University of Iowa bolster a stingy, what could be a stingy defensive line up front. Uh, in addition, they add some guys in the linebacking core as well, like Mason Cobb from uh, Oklahoma State University. Again, a Oklahoma State product playing behind Malcolm Rodriguez for a couple of years. So definitely a guy that you know has been trained in that system there, and uh, they produce a good product there. And then Georgia State's uh, Jamil Muhammad joins at cornerback to add some depth there for the Trojans. Moving on, we have uh, Florida State. Let's talk about them for a second. Picking up Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock from the FCS 1AA uh, ranks would give Florida State coming into this year one of the better tight end rooms in the conference, possibly nationally, but I'm going to say for the ACC for sure, as they have a very good-looking roster coming into this next year. 
Dominic Lovett, the pickup uh, from Georgia, and then A.D. Mitchell, the departure from Georgia, going to Texas. I think those will be two names that you're going to want to watch out for this next year. Auburn's best pickup of the transfer portal rotation here in 2023 actually might come on the offensive line as their offensive line really did disappoint last year. And I think they got themselves a gamer in center Avery Jones from East Carolina. So it'd be really interesting to see him anchor an offensive line that's being retooled. LSU picks up Denver Harris from Texas A&M. As we know, Texas A&M had a huge explosion of talent uh, and a lot of those players found new homes. But Denver Harris might be another guy you're going to want to watch out for for LSU. And then Oklahoma. Something that plagued Oklahoma last year was a lack of pass rush in general. And so that staff has gone out there. Brett Venables has gone out there and made it a priority to beef up that unit as he has added Deshaun McCullough from Indiana, Rondell Bothroyd, I can never say that guy's name, from Wake Forest, and Trace Ford from Oklahoma State. It should be able to do some things for the Sooners here in 2023. Very exciting stuff. Definitely want to keep an eye out for these players and these teams as we're closing in here through the summer, obviously into preseason, into more preseason lists, this, that, and the other. It's an exciting time of year, as we all know, as we're gearing up for that 2023 season. And thank you for spending time with me tonight here on the Any Given You podcast. Like I said, we're going to be on the road. We're going to be remote, but we're going to try to be more consistent with what we release for you guys because you deserve it. And remember, any given time, any given place, any given team, you get it here at Any Given You.